you have to wear your loud shoes to uh, well, make sure it's still in out. I actually ran into the office this morning and I knew you had some People shoes know we were uh, in um, a park. Welcome to another episode of Walking with Wealth Managers. Uh, we're on home turf in London today at Regent's Park and I am with Ben Gutteridge who is Head of Fund Research at Bruin Dolphin. Hi Ben. Hello. How are Suzy. you? Very well, thank you. Very well. Delighted Good. to be here. Good. Well, thanks very much for coming out, getting out of the office. A bit of fresh air. Well, it's not something I like to do, getting out of the office, <laughs> but uh, on this occasion. Well, we've chosen somewhere fairly close to, because okay. you're over in Smithfield. Aren't that's you? right, that's right. Um, yeah, so you're Head of Fund Research at Bruin Dolphin. Uh, you've also been applauded in our CityWise Wealth Manager Top 100 feature. And alongside doing all of that, you also host the Bruin Dolphin award-winning podcast. So it's kind of a bit of a changing a change of roles here. I'm going to interview you instead of you interviewing. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so I'm putting you in the hot seat. <laughs> well, it's okay. I, uh, I look forward to it. Okay, good. Um, so as part of your... If we should head down here? Yeah. So part of your role as head of fund research you have oversight is it about 250 on your buy list at the moment if i'm right correct me if i'm wrong no no that's uh, that's that's about right i'm not saying it with much confidence am i <laughs> uh that's that's You're that's about right <laughs> yeah i mean this uh, this covers a lot of uh different strategies we have uh, you know sort of the classic open-ended active funds uh, that's certainly the, the chunk of what we do uh but the number you know gets nearer 250 when you include uh, investment trusts, uh, passive vehicles, and uh, structured products as well. So yeah, you're getting close to 250 okay. when you have them all uh, combined. Okay. And it's what is it? Uh, how how many assets under management? Last time I looked, 39 billion. Yes. No. That's uh, yeah. That you can we'll, we'll take that. Uh, okay. You can take that number. So I mean, it's a pretty pretty mammoth task. There's a, a bit of weight resting on your shoulders. <laughs> um, so I think what our listeners will be keen to know, and I'm very interested to know, is how you got to where you are today. Um, what, have we got to the 39 billion or how No, I no, got how to... you got to being Head of Fund Research at Bruin Dolphin. Well, you know, working every hour and moment that God sends was <laughs> uh, probably the major uh, contributing factor. Um, but, <laughs> sort of, I had a, I've got a maths background, sort of, at, in, in academia, and I uh, was always sort of keen to work, use that in, uh, in the city, being a sort of southeast boy. Mm-hmm. And, Whereabouts uh, are you from? I'm from Kent. Yeah. From Kent, Marjate, uh, Margate, some people uh, know it as. Okay. Um, and um, yeah, I uh, started my first role was at Barclays or BGI, really. Mm-hmm. And we were part of the role was helping to sell product to DFM, mm-hmm. uh, to wealth managers. And uh, it seemed to me that uh, what would be the best thing to do would be to be on the, the buy side, because I don't know, sort of on the sell side, you're a little bit conflicted sometimes, yeah. you know. Uh, it's sometimes laid down upon high, you know, what needs to be, what's to be sold, not necessarily in client interest, whereas on this side of the fence, you know, always trying to do uh, the best for our clients. Okay, and so was that, so... So yeah, sorry, so I did a year at Barclays and because um, I wanted to move to the, to the buy side, um, got in touch with a few people and some, an opportunity came up at, uh, at Bruin Dolphin and um, yeah it was Lord Harry Burnham uh, who, who hired me okay. and uh, yeah I've uh, been, been at Bruin's for 14 years. Wow. Uh, 
I don't so think... you joined in, what year was it you joined? Well, uh, based on my maths, shorthand maths, that would be 2003. <laughs> yeah, so I hope that you were challenging my maths <laughs> Challenging my maths credentials already. Um, yeah, and so I've been at Bruins sort of 14 years. I don't think that's sort of just down to a lack of ambition. Uh, it's uh, more to do with, you know, the, the role has evolved and continues to evolve. I've actually been head of fund research for sort of nearly seven years now, I think. Okay. But the, the role has changed dramatically and the department, the contribution the department makes to the firm's investment proposition has changed dramatically well, I think that over just, that 14 that, year time. Period. Yeah, it goes with the sort of changing investment environment that we're in, the nature of kind of a discretionary private client investment management has changed as an industry in that time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we certainly were a bespoke house, but um, we've built up a quality research um, outfit and the, cent uh, the investment managers, you know, really lean into it and uh, use it. Um, but of course, like I said, yeah, we're, uh, we're still a, a bespoke yeah. investment uh, investment house. Yeah, but was that was that all, was this always the dream for you? From you know, say you were ten year old boy, <coughs> it, what was your dream then? Was it to come and be <laughs> fun selecting? It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't my only dream. <laughs> uh, there were, oh, I guess, some sporting ambitions in there as well. But uh, no, for a career, we'd always have been to to use the mass and. Um, yeah, work in the work in the big city, work in events that really, you know, matter to people, and um, you know, try and you know make people a little bit better off along the way. Yeah, good. Okay. Um, so I guess we can't really avoid the award-winning podcast at Bruin Dolphin. Why should we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, how how did that come about? Because did you start it or was it already up and running and you just got involved? What's the story? How did it get going? Well, it was uh, Guy Foster as our head of research. Um, I don't believe he was head of research at the time. He may have been. I have to fact check that. But uh, we were certainly conducting some uh, excellent interviews with our fund managers. Had lots of feedback about that. Uh, we had uh, a blog up and running. Okay. But blogs are quite hard work, I think. Yes. You know, writing a three, four hundred page, uh, three hundred, four, three, four hundred word um, sort of piece on something investment uh, relevant and interesting. Uh, it's quite hard to keep the output up, especially when you know, you've got a job to do. Whereas, pod, you know, podcast, just a you know, 20 minute interview with the fund manager is, uh, you know, just as we're doing now, it's very easy. Just push a button and away you go, have a conversation, a conversation you'd have in a, as you do in your normal day job, and you've got something interesting for the wider investment community to, to listen to. Yeah. So um, a combination of our skill set and um, work ethic led us to, okay. uh, to, to a podcast. So it was sort of a joint venture between you and Guy. Started. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The, yeah. the rest of the research team have got involved as well along the way. That's right, okay. yeah. I mean, we, um, we interview our research team, if there's uh, an investment, you know, investment relevant question to ask them, our direct equities team or our funds team, uh, but also we have uh, more recently some of our other funds team actually hosting uh, hosting podcasts yeah. that, uh, as well. Okay, so tell me about. But I'm reluctant I've... to hand it over because I, I love it so much. <laughs> you like doing it. Yeah. You found your your <laughs> calling, your secondary calling to fund selection. Um, tell me about the first episode because I tried to scroll through and find it, but I don't know if it's still in the archive somewhere because. Well, a while ago, well, over a, how long has it been running? Yeah, I mean, it'd be a, yeah, I think it's like near four years. Okay. 
and um, do you know what? On the spot, I can't quite remember our first. I, th- really? I, know, I remember <laughs> our first. Uh, I remember our first guest was Jim Levis. Yeah. Which is why, actually, we went to the the awards dinner, uh, awards lunch. We actually took a someone from M and G as a thank you for their provision of ongoing provision of guests. Uh, but I think our first podcast it was just sort of me interviewing Guy, and um, you know, almost a service to our investment managers. Um, and it got, uh, <coughs> you know, it got good feedback, but you know. People don't want to hear, as, as interesting as we are, and as Guy is, people don't necessarily want to hear from him week in, week out. So we started getting guests, and of course, the feedback was, you know, even better. Good enough to do another one. Yeah, so we kept, uh, kept doing it and kept trying to pursue it. We're getting, uh, getting high-profile guests, and so we're delighted with our sort of long list of uh, guests that we've had on it. Okay, who's been your most memorable guest? Um, <coughs> well, I interviewed Jeb Bush. That, okay. was, uh, that was certainly very exciting. Yeah, it all, bit, all uh, went smoothly. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was utterly charming and um, uh, I only had 10 minutes, but sometimes 10 minutes is, um, as this, po- this half an hour podcast will prove, sometimes 10 <laughs> minutes is better than, uh, you know, you, get all the, you, you sort of get condensed answers, uh, quick fire questions, and uh, yeah, it was, all, uh, it was all very nice. And before and after, he asked me all this sort of classic American quick, Football uh, questions, you know, what's your what's your favourite soccer team, and, and is it the Tottenham Hotspurs and all that sort of stuff? <laughs> is that who uh, you support? Uh, it's not. It's not. But okay. that's, that was his reference. That's yeah. the only one he knew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fair enough. And is it not because of their amazing record recently? But <laughs> um, you must have had. I mean, that's a good example of one of your interviews. You must have had some experiences recording your podcast where you just think oh my god what's happening or I don't know you've you've slipped up somewhere because you can't get it right all the time especially in four years yeah I mean I mean I have to say that I mean I certainly won't be naming names but that sometimes you just know in the midst of a podcast that it's going to be a duff one sometimes you know I mean the the SP of it or the um, member you know the what we're trying to do is deliver a very digestible accessible financial podcast that uh you know, clients can easily understand. You get sort of economists getting deep into, you know, um, well, economic matters. It can be quite heavy, and yeah. especially if there is um, no real emotion in the delivery. And uh, yeah, so you sort of sat there thinking, oh, this is going to be a disaster. And you How worry about I that because you've got, uh, you know, you, you, you take a lot of pride in these podcasts. So. Yeah. Um, but no mistakes from me. I can't recall any. I'm really? <laughs> no, I'm sure there. Well, I'm very impressed. You've got everyone's name right every time. Um, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, we do actually try and be a bit uh, relatively amusing with it when we can. I remember um, um, when Neil Woodford came on to do mm-hmm. the podcast when he joined. Uh, he started his new firm. Yeah. And uh, my fir- my opening question was. You know, well, first of all, I congratulated him on everything he'd achieved. But then, before we get into financial matters, I asked him what his motivation was for the name of the new firm, <laughs> and uh, he was actually a very good, uh, a very good sport about it. But that's that's the thing. We try to create a sort of friendly, convivial atmosphere. Yeah. So, then, what are the what are the download stats on it? Because it's available. I'm going to do you a plug here. It's available oh, on iTunes. Correct. And on. And that's your podcast app on your phone. Yeah, I suppose that's, that's one and the same. Where else can you? You, you can it? get it from. Um, you can just listen to it straight from uh, the web. Yeah. You can go to uh, SoundCloud, 
I mean, if you're on Twitter, I mean, it comes right the web anyway, but if you're on Twitter and you follow Bruins, we regularly uh, post about it. Just follow the link. Um, so there's a few, uh, a few ways into it. Okay. And yeah, so we are, what are this, how, many, how many downloads does it get? Well, we uh, regularly get over 500 and you sort of get nearer 1,000 once you get... Um, once you get some of the higher profile guests. And um, what's that per month? Uh, per, per edition. Per, oh, per, per edition. Oh, okay. um, so we try to put out one a week. And I mean, it's not actually, I mean, some, you like to think it's the big names, but I mean, sometimes you can do things totally by chance. And, uh, you know, emerging markets are hot that week and it's an emerging market yeah, guest and, uh, you know, people are, people are, you know, onto it. Yeah. And some higher profile guests it's not in an interesting set area. Sometimes the numbers aren't quite as what you'd expect, but uh, by and large, it's sort of between 500 to 1,000. Do you get a bit addicted looking at the stats of each different episode? Well, no, we do, uh, I, I would if they were available. Okay. But we get them, um, we get them uh, qu- quarterly or six-monthly. We get feedback. Um, so, uh, yeah, there is no live. You would have thought in this day and age there might be uh, better Something. access to it. But just because it comes in through a diff- few different sources, it's hard to... Okay, oh yeah, to tally it all up together, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just thinking which way, should we do a, maybe loop round? Yeah, fine. Yeah? Yeah, yeah of yes. course, of course. It's such a nice day, I'm so Isn't it lovely, it's not yeah. raining. Nice autumn, autumn leaves all on the ground. Um, but You're setting the scene here, I know, beautifully well, you know, for our, our, listeners, listeners. our listeners can't see. So yeah, we're just walking, I don't really know actually, I'll be honest. Well, we've gone straight, so... <laughs> we've come into Regent's Park, <laughs> out of the tube, and walked in a straight line. Um, and it's lovely, it's quite quiet. Um, but, and my last question is, has anyone actually on the podcast, um, has anyone actually ever recognised you from the podcast? You've been like, oh, Ben Guthrie, <coughs> you do that podcast, I guess. Oh, I get, get recognised um, everywhere I go. I mean, it's a surprise <laughs> this, this uh, walk has so far been so uninterrupted. <laughs> uh, <coughs> you know what, I don't... Um, you know, some people are, some, some people are genuinely thrilled to be on the, the podcast I think obviously it's an access the, the, the highest hit ratio you know is our investment managers our investment managers will listen to it closely yeah. and so that would be it's very uh, commercially uh, sensible for these fund managers to participate in the yeah. podcast but I mean uh, some people who aren't running money we like to get interested get interesting guests on there you know generally don't know anything about it you know we can't pretend that it's a household smash our podcast yet. <laughs> Um, Don't put yourself but, down. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, I mean we have, you know, we we, we genuinely have people uh, getting in touch, asking to, um, you know, appear on the podcast, volunteering yeah. themselves. Cause it's a good platform to uh, uh, communicate with our yeah. investment managers. Perhaps this is probably my uh, my second closest claim to radio royalty fame. This, this very this, moment? Yeah, this very moment meeting you. <laughs> okay. The first was uh, probably when I went on a date with someone from Capital Radio, but that is a story for another time. <laughs> right, <okay. laughs> um, I think we're just going past the zoo, aren't we? Looking back um, over some of the highlights or possibly lowlights of your career, I'm interested to know where you were uh, the moment of the 08 crash and specifically when you found out Lehman Brothers a collapse. Can you remember that moment, or roughly? So the uh, yeah, it's September two thousand and eight. I mean, I was at uh, obviously I was at uh, at Bruins, um, and had um, yeah, obviously had lots of concerns. I mean, it's not. Just, I mean, Bruins was actually sort of a very calm ship, but it was amazing 
like the emails flying around in amongst friends. I had, you know, one friend who worked at RBS, you know, another friend who worked at Barclays, and it was all, <coughs> you know, it was all there was hysteria, sort yeah. of just, uh, yeah, just sort of going around uh, around the city. But uh, you know, I, it was it was the the, the Bruins was all, Bruins research was already sort of a success story there. Wealth management's a little, di- you know, clearly a little different to yeah. being an investment bank. Yeah. And, um, you know, diversified portfolios, you know, <coughs> and the need for, it was, I never felt really very nervous for my, my own personal uh, position. Okay. Uh, Bruins was all, and, and so it was just, there was, there was, it was weirdly sort of an element of fascination uh, about it all. And not, I wouldn't say excitement, you know, more anxiety than excitement, but, because I felt Bruins was in such a decent place and uh, personally things were going all right and yeah. the search department was doing well. You know, I never never really um, put any, uh, put any sort of, made my hair grow grey or anything like that. <laughs> did you sit on the news first or did, you, did anyone give you a call? Can you remember that moment? Um, no, yeah, like, you were... You need so, to come into the office. Uh, no, I mean, um, you sort of wait. I mean, we researchers always always try to be. We have this thing called a morning call. We communicate with the group at uh, you know around sort of eight thirty in the morning. You need to prepare, so you're often in the at your desk between seven seven thirty. And so you know we're always early starters in research, and, and it'll be the same with every research department across the country. And uh, you know you wake up, wake up to the news, and uh, do you know what? I can't remember what time. But yeah, you probably yeah you just sort of wake up to the news and you. Try and act oh, calmly right. and communicate ra- <laughs> try, rationally. Try and act calmly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, put up a calm word. front and uh, deliver your messages accordingly. Yeah, I mean, it's not as though we've not had our fair share of shock since then either. So I suppose it's all experience yeah. that helps. Yeah, exactly. That does uh, that does help. And I think the the you know the Brexit co- the Brexit experience uh, post Trump was exactly that that. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the window didn't last very long, but the sell-off was, you know, we were we brought the morning call forward and we were totally, you know, uh, recognising this as an overreaction from the market. Yeah. You know, he's got market-friendly policies he wants to deliver, by and large. Um, so, yeah, those sort of experiences do um, equip you to deal with sort of shocks better in the future. Yeah. It strikes me that you're a very practical, sort of level-headed, kind of take each bump in the road as it comes, which I suppose is something that you, a quality, do you feel something that's, you need to have doing your job? Yeah, it's totally a quality you need to have because there is just no shortage of, you know, troubling headlines. Um, I mean, not only is it, you know, the, the, the journalist sort of profession to write some sensationalist stuff, yeah. you know, there's actually stuff that's, they're really quite serious out there and there's some very serious issues but you know you've got to know which serious issues the market's going to take notice of and you've got to know which serious issues can actually derail the business cycle and through experience you and and hard work you do some empirical data analysis you know it's not really it's not really evident that these sort of geopolitical worries ever really move markets or ever really uh, change the direction, the, the economic direction of a, of a region. And so, yeah, I think it is to act calm because it would be so expensive for clients to, yeah. you know, come out of portfolios, not only the cost of executing on those sales and purchases of other assets, but also, you know, 
the um, opportunity cost of being out of the market. Yeah, it's a tricky one. So what has been, if you cast your mind back over the 14, well, I suppose longer than that, your career, what's been your most memorable moment or, or on the other hand, or perhaps the, the best lesson that you've learnt? Um, well, the best lesson I've learnt is uh, to have a very good team around you. I think my role has definitely, has definitely evolved and uh, demands of my time are sort of pulled in different directions. And so having a good team around you is helpful. And I learned that over the course of time in, the, in working with the, the fun research team that we've got, an excellent team that we've got. How many are in your team at the moment? Uh, we've got uh, the six of us. Okay. And that's uh, just looking at funds? That's, uh, well, looking at, fu yeah, op yeah, yeah. Uh, open-ended funds, investment yeah. trusts, you know, passive vehicles, uh, structured products and, and such. Um, but I also, it was, uh, I think it was about sort of six years ago, we played, we had played a rugby match against a, a competitor. And I was, every now and then I've played um, this position called scrum half, which basically just sits behind all the, the big guys. Okay. And uh, on the Bruin Dolphin team, we had uh, Andrew Lewis, former Welsh international, Barry Stewart, Andy. former Scottish international, Gordy Houston, a premiership rugby player. So, you know, having that good team around you, <laughs> Uh, I remember on that occasion it allowed us to a sort of comfortable victory and as a scrum half I was, had all the time in the world to do uh, uh, anything. Uh, I chose to, I was quite a boring player so I didn't take any risks myself but I had, still had, it was nice to have the option to have loads of time on your hands and you know it's not like I've got loads of time on my hands as a fund, head of fund research, it's just you know I'm no doubt got a few more sort of media and commercial type commitments in my role yeah. rather than uh, micro management and oversight and mm. that I've got a good team who can you know, get on and be responsible and make very sound recommendations is really helpful. Mm. So you're sort of your low risk rugby style, is that indicative <laughs> of your investment style as well? Uh, no, that was, uh, well no actually perhaps, perhaps there's not, perhaps there's an analogy there, perhaps there's a, a, a valid comparison there. I think definitely, uh, you know, in the private client business, it's 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 hard not to the the first strategy would be to try and avoid things that could go desperately wrong and on that basis you are sort of inclined to invest with the winners with the quality businesses as your starting point now yeah. obviously the world seems in a bit in uh, uh, in decent shape at the moment so you know not uh, far from uh, <coughs> ruling out the idea of taking a bit more risk or cyclicality or you know whatever the, at this juncture but you know over time it's hard not to think that uh, a, a, a lower risk uh, strategy shouldn't for, should should actually form the uh, yeah. but the foundations of a portfolio okay so you're feeling fairly confident in the in the state of the world at the moment yeah I think so I think so I mean yeah the doom and gloom is you know apparent but uh, in you know the ten o'clock news, but the the economic position around the world is is somewhere approaching rude health. I would say. You know, clearly we've got yes. our own domestic challenges, but uh, the U.S., Europe, really Europe, really impressing, and China. Well, you know, you can have you can have, there's plenty of bears out there, but it's certainly a stabilisation story at the moment, yeah. which isn't the hard landing everyone was so concerned about. So you know, we're in uh, feeling pretty chipper about okay. things. Good. Um, I'd like to move on to kind of the people that you've worked with in your career. 
um, and particularly who has been the most inspiring or influential person? It doesn't have to be someone that you've worked with, it could be someone outside of work, but who's really you know, given you uh, motivation and inspiration? Well, I mean, it's hard not to, I know I can go outside of work and I don't know how, if everyone you've asked sort of immediately says their boss, but uh, people, <laughs> that, people that know me, people that, uh, uh, people on the team, people in the industry will know that uh, my boss, you know, Guy Foster is a, you know, a real sort of superstar in the industry and got uh, you know, tremendous knowledge of <coughs> nearly most, almost everything that's investment relevant. So it's great to have that as someone I can uh, talk to every day about things. So yeah. that's helped me learn tremendously. I think uh, outside of the industry, there's definitely a few fund managers that um, stand out on the equity side. You know, someone like Terry Smith, that yeah. would really play back to that sort of winner's theory. Um, you know, it's hard, yeah, sort of relatively low risk strategy, picking the, the high quality businesses, you know, sustainable business model mm -hmm. um, over time proves rewarding. And then I guess on the fixed income side, you know, someone like Jim Levis, mm -hmm. a real brain, great communicator. And that's something I really want to uh, try to work on and the podcast has given that platform. Uh, and, you know, I go out there and speak to, you know, a lot of the time speaking to investment managers, but sometimes clients, uh, IFAs. You know, it's crucial that we can communicate and, uh, you yeah, know, that's, um, that's something I really work hard on. So I really try to take lessons from yeah. those fund managers who, uh, who do such a good job at it. Have we lost? No, no, we're I think okay? we're literally just going in a straight I don't remember going past this the... on the way. Do you not? No, I don't. Oh, we li I, I think so, we've so literally walked drawn up. into the conversation. Oh, well, thought. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> we've literally walked in a straight line, walked up to the top of the park, past the zoom, back round. When we get towards the end of our podcast, we like to ask our interviewee to make a prediction. It's a different one for every person. The first one I was going to ask you was, when do you think this podcast is going to get more listeners than yours? <laughs> But that was only a bit of a joke. Yeah, well, I, uh, I don't think you'll like the answer, I'm afraid. That's never. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm um, sure we can both. I'm sure there's enough uh, room in the market okay. for both of them to make their way. Maybe we can do a joint download. Probably uh, this one. This one might actually buy one, get have. one free, but it's free. <laughs> Maybe this one will get more. This specific one will get okay, more than mine. Okay, I'll let you know. Outside of that, <laughs> I'll let you know the stats when it comes out. Um, no, but, uh, something I wanted to pitch to you, see what you think, is um, when do you think that? cash is going to stop existing and we'll be paying for everything electronically. When do you think we'll say goodbye to the sterling pound, <coughs> coin and notes? Well, um, interesting question because we just had a couple of days where I think Bitcoin's down around sort of 30%, okay. isn't yeah. it? 25, 30%. So that may dissuade people from uh, moving that direction. I, d I think, uh, you know, so it's probably, my core view would be never and then... Okay. How, why, do you, why do you say never? Well, I'm surprised. I, I just sort I of feel like there's enough transactions that are done um, sort of surreptitiously that need require cash. <laughs> what, what kind of things have you been doing outside of work? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I just you know I watch movies, I hear these stories. Okay, I um, see. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, it's certainly diminishing. I think they always sort of say we underestimate how fast things can move. You know, two years out. I mean, I would imagine in in four years, I'll probably be making a trip to the cash point. You know, once every three months or once a quarter or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah, between two and four years. I would, yeah. Around four years' time, I would have thought cash would be. Um, well, thank you very much. Pleasure. That's Pleasure. Really nice way to spend the afternoon. I know. It's not, not bad at all.